it's fabulous to have you on and you're such a you've such a powerful voice as well so I'm so excited to hear all about what you have to say um, this morning but tell us I suppose when did your interest in politics first start? Um, so I suppose here um, I would have not been from a particularly strong political background growing up um, my dad would have been involved in politics to a certain extent um, and he actually did run himself for local elections back yeah. in 2009 but he, he unfortunately he wasn't successful at the time um, so I suppose I never had a, a complete insight into local politics and what it was actually like um, to be living the life of a councillor um, but he would have always brought me along canvassing for political candidates if those political debates happened that he was going to he would have brought me along with him and I suppose really I had that exposure to it from a young age and I would have always had an interest in it growing up and throughout school and would have kind of kept, kept up to date on local and national affairs um, so during COVID then um, one of the councillors in my area stepped down and there was an open call for anyone who would have an interest in becoming a councillor to yeah. put their name forward um, so I suppose this all happened at a time in my life where I was at home I was doing college online online lectures um, we weren't allowed to go anywhere with the restrictions so it was just I suppose an opportunity that, that that happened at the right time for me yeah. so I decided after a quite a lot of consideration obviously it was a huge step um, I decided to put my name forward and express interest in the role um, so I suppose it was it was a massive thing to consider and I knew it was going to change my life quite a bit um, and it would, would um, put me forward in a different light I suppose I, I would be in the public eye a lot more um, but I suppose I would have been quite involved with community groups in my area and I saw it really as a chance for me to represent them on a greater level and to represent people in my area on a different level. Um, so really, so that's where my interest began from growing up with attending stuff with my father and then from my involvement with community groups and local issues in, in my area is really what sparked my interest in politics. Yeah, and do you mind me asking as well at the time, what were you studying in college? Uh, so occupational therapy um, and I actually qualified as an occupational therapist wow. in June so I'm yeah. also working as a full-time occupational therapist alongside it you're a power um, woman oh well it's, it's quite busy now um, <laughs> but look at I suppose I'm lucky in that the, the area the facility in which I'm working our understanding of my role um, yeah. and they, they do they do let me take my ease annually for meetings and that but then I suppose even I, we talk so much about getting more women and more um, a greater diversity of politicians in power. Yes. Um, and I suppose it even just goes to show, like speaking from my own experience, it's only now coming out the other side of COVID that they're allowing, I suppose, even more more um, lenient towards hybrid models. And we are, I think, slowly progressing towards hybrid models, which will facilitate more people, such as myself and others that are working full-time jobs in becoming involved with politics. Because I do think it's really important that the working people who are out every day um, are getting involved as well and that we're not restricting them or young people who are attending college and um, that we're allowing them the opportunity to get involved as well I do think that is very important and I think even coming out of COVID it's actually bringing positivity to it as well because we are more accepting of the hybrid models of work um, and providing I suppose greater flexibility in the workplace Absolutely, because I think as well as um, uh, you're the youngest councillor, am I correct? You're the youngest councillor in Ireland. I remember we were, I was at the meeting um, for women in politics um, recently. Um, but was that, I think they said that night you were the youngest. Am I correct? In um, that? I think when I was co opted, I was, I was. Um, but I think there might be one or two that have come in since that might be younger, a little bit younger, around the same age anyway. Um, 
which is great and I suppose at the time like I was 21 um, when I got involved yeah but even like when you think about it that being the youngest person like that shouldn't be we should have more younger people involved um, and we should have more youth involvement and I know some of the political parties have say like young Fianna Fáil or young Fianna Gael I think particularly in colleges and that um, but I suppose we just need to promote it a bit more and make people aware of what the role is and what they can become involved in and how we can get them involved even if it's not directly through obtaining maybe um, a councillor position or TD etc even just in the background getting involved with politics or groups that bring policy forward um, and really just pushing on important issues I think so and I think what you've really done is you've paved a path I'm sure the younger maybe the younger councillors have just started as well recently they had you to look to as well as an example and I think um, I really do think that it's really important that you know young people do stand up and put themselves forward so amazing that you've done that and you've had some fantastic success since I suppose tell us some of the um, issues that have been coming up we'll say in the last little while that you've been able to tackle maybe or what's been yeah what's on the agenda we'll say at the moment or what's what's been significant yeah, so I suppose at the minute the the biggest issue I suppose coming out of winter I suppose the hospital crisis and um, so there's so many people on waiting lists and trolleys um, and I know I've, I've made quite it's, that's not really something we can, as a as a county council level I suppose we can bring motions forward and we can write letters but we also need the support of our national colleagues as well which is a big thing um, liaison with TDs and senators is also a huge part of the role as a county councillor. Um, and they have been great. Our local TDs and senators have been great on representing us on those issues as well. Um, so quite a big thing that I have, and I brought a motion forward to Roscommon recently, was the dental services. So this was a huge thing is people who have medical cards are finding it next to near impossible to actually find a dentist who will firstly accept the medical card, and secondly, if they do accept the medical card, there's a huge waiting list and they can't actually even get on the waiting list. Um, to get the required medical procedures Um, and I suppose coming from my perspective there is evidence to show us that poor dental hygiene actually leads to further um, physical health problems Um, and I suppose it's just really recognising these cycles and figuring out where as local politics from local political level and then from a national political level we can target these areas um, to have a knock-on effect to hopefully reduce further waiting lists um, but uh, so that's one aspect of the role is really making representation to to, to um, a national level, and then looking more locally. Then, so for example, we have like our at low municipal meetings where we would discuss um, I- issues in South Roscommon. So that would be the area that I'm representing. Um, so I suppose you have your day. A lot, a quite a big thing at the minute is road safety. Um, unfortunately, we've had quite. Quite a few road incidents um, in, in, I know around the South Roscommon, kind of East Galway area in the last couple of weeks. Yeah. And I suppose, firstly, I'd just like to offer my condolences to the family and friends of all those people. But I suppose we do need to recognise why these issues are happening and how we can prevent them, how we can promote road safety, what the council can do. I suppose um, there's great schemes out there, like low-cost safety schemes, which can install flashing lights to alert drivers to their speed. Because I know you know yourself here. Like when you're driving, sometimes when yeah. you're used to the same route all the time, it's easy to kind of to to almost become robotic. I suppose exactly. when you're driving. So even simple things like a flashing sign can just help alert you to to slow down or more visibility at junctions. So um, I suppose making representations to to clear hedges or clear corners where possible. And I suppose really just advocate the need for the funding 
for these services and these resources. Um, so I suppose it's really just listening to what the local people need, what they want, what needs to happen, and then just advocating for that on a local level. I think so, because in these rural roads, it is ridiculous when you see people travelling at 120 miles an hour. Like, I, I've seen as well in Athlone, um, we'll say that area between Kiltoom and um, Barrymore. I know they've reduced the speed. It used to be 100 there, but it's gone down to 60. And I'm so glad they've done that, because oftentimes you'd pull in there at the garage or you'd pull in at the garden centre, Mulvey's, and, or the strawberry van was also there during the summer. And, oh my God, if you to cross the road, you'd be taking your life into your hands. Like, it's impossible um, to cross the road there because people are constantly up and down there's been so many crashes in that area so I do think what you've said you know reducing speeds but putting in those little measures they make a massive difference in the long run yeah and I know you mentioned about that particular road and unfortunately as far as I'm aware and I'm open to correction on this but as far as I'm aware that reduction in speed isn't permanent so it's temporary while roadworks are happening unfortunately okay. but I know that particular section of road is something that myself and the councillors who've actually been in there quite a bit longer than me have been constantly advocating for the reduction yeah. um, so unfortunately for that we need consent from Transport Infrastructure Ireland or TII which seems to be a constant thing so we're, so we're constantly liaising with them we've met them in Dublin to discuss this issue um, so we're, we are continuing to advocate for the need to reduce the speed limit along that road because like you said yourself Kira, cars fly along that road um, and it is it is very, very dangerous. And there's loads of other roads along the area that we are advocating for reductions of speed limits. So I suppose hopefully we're heard on a higher level as well and um, all we can do is continue to, to fight our battle um, locally and hopefully that that's carried through at a national level and we see some, some impact and some change on those roads. Absolutely, absolutely. I think exactly you've touched on an awful lot of things there that are real big issues for people. Um, I might just ask you as well about the housing. Um, because yeah. you have another perspective on that. Um, as a young person, and what are you hearing as well from other young people like yourself about the issues with trying to get accommodation? Because I know that's hu- that's huge at the moment, we'll say. And I suppose rurally as well, a lot of people I see as well trying to move out of populated areas like Dublin and come down to the countryside. Is there enough resources there or is it very, very, very small? Definitely not. Um, speaking from my own perspective, I'm still living at home. And yeah. I'm, so, I'm thankful to my parents that I have the, the ability to do that. But even from my own perspective, like there's nowhere affordable for me to rent nearby that, we, that would be convenient for me. Um, I have friends and siblings going to college. They're commuting, commuting to and from college, Galway, Dublin. Oh my God, yeah. Um, huge distances of commutes just because they, they can't simply can't afford to live live. Um, live elsewhere and I suppose when you're thinking about young people who are working or attending college college especially you've all your 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 expenses your college fees and um, your daily travel food expenses and then you can't you maybe work in two days at the weekend if you're lucky it's that seven days a week that, that they're they're doing stuff um, and you just simply can't afford afford rent um, and even if, you, if for people who can afford rent the availability in the market is so so small the houses just aren't there for people to rent or buy and I suppose even seeing like planning restrictions then is a huge issue that I that I receive an awful lot of representation on and I suppose it can be quite frustrating for us and for for people in the area and um, because we in our county development plan we are we're very much guided by national guidelines which seem to have a, a focus on centre first policies and town centres and um, 
and really, I suppose, restricting um, restricting planning and regulating planning in in um, rural areas. And I suppose none of us want to see rural Ireland dying out. We've during COVID, people appreciated it a lot more. Mm. And like you mentioned there, people are moving from urban areas into more rural areas. And we do want to keep those communities alive. Looking at my own area, like we've had post office closures, service closures. We need to ensure that the population can continue to grow in those areas and that the services are there to facilitate the population growth and the population is there to, to keep those services open and going. Um, I know myself, I've moved uh, from a more... Um, uh, more, well I've moved for, like shopping wise I, I tend to shop more um, the niche like smaller shops now and I think people are doing that a lot more I was listening to the radio the other morning um, and um, people were saying there was a survey done that, um, and people are avoiding larger towns that they're actually shopping in more smaller areas where there's individual like whole, um, family owned stores and I suppose that's important as well but if the housing isn't there these stores and shops are going to close because people can't move to the area despite them wanting to so I know it's a constant, constant issue up in, at national government level, um, but we just need to keep the pressure on and find some sort of solution to the crisis. Um, obviously, there's a huge demand for housing, and I don't know, to be honest, I don't know what their solution is going to be, but we need to keep working at it and find something quickly. I think so, and it's funny, I was looking back, um, I suppose, over Irish history, and I went back as far as the famine times, and apparently now again, I, I'm, I'm hoping that these figures are correct, but I think they said in rural towns at one point there was 20,000 Irish people living in each of these rural towns. And some of them now you see like 600, 800, maybe 2,000 um, sometimes, I suppose, nowadays. But all these old cottages and there's so many abandoned buildings, two-story houses, like I couldn't get over it. I was driving, um, I drove all the way from, we'll say, Athlone through Roscommon up as far as Mayo. And I must have counted about 54 cottages that were, I suppose, if they just were a little bit renovated, they'd be perfectly um, suitable for living in because they had fully um, encompassed roofs and things like that. So I couldn't get over Like, do you think there'd be ever a point as well where maybe they will start to look more towards restoring a lot of these buildings? I do know there's a county council grant at the moment, but do you feel like there could be more support given? Yeah, um, like you said, there is a council grant and they're nationally, I think they're bringing motions forward to try and increase the income threshold for people applying for these grants so that would be good news as well hopefully more people can access them and like you mentioned about the derelict houses I suppose that just need a bit of TLC or a bit of renovation there is um, some grants available for people who want to renovate those old houses now I mean the money isn't huge that is available but for people maybe who have these houses on their property it might be an incentive for them to begin the renovations and maybe then even sell or rent or allow other people to take over the renovations and just provide some some accommodation. Um, so I definitely think we will, even I know locally that myself, I see some houses that haven't been opened for years, have people living in them, which is great to see. Um, so hopefully that, that more people will get involved with that initiative and hopefully more people will, will see the benefit in renovating those houses and reopening them. Um, I suppose you're going to come into issues then with... Um, insulation and it's not sustainable energy with the houses but then you have your like grants such as um, those available through the SEAI so for um, installing maybe solar panels or insulation and um, so it's definitely worth checking out the SEAI website as well if people are interested in that because I know um, for making representations for people that has been useful in providing grants for, for certain um, home adaptations to improve energy rate and all that 
I suppose that's going to be important going forward as we're moving towards a more greener, sustainable environment. Um, it's going to be it's going to be essential. So there, there definitely is some grants out there. I'm I mean I'm not pretending that they're great. They're definitely not. Um, but they are a start to hopefully moving in the right direction. And hopefully in the next few years of continued work and effort, we can see um, more accommodation being available um, and at, at, a, at an affordable price as well. Absolutely. And I just want to ask as well while I have you on the line. I suppose for young people in politics and women in particular, why do you think? Um, some women maybe are shying away from politics I suppose it can be quite difficult um, like we already mentioned speaking from my own perspective when I entered politics I was one of the youngest councillors and I was a, a woman so really I was kind of outnumbered on both perspectives and it can be quite difficult and daunting stepping into an environment where you're the odd one out nearly where you're um, you're the, the one that's different um, but I suppose as more people get involved or I would hope um, that that women see this as an opportunity and young people see this as an opportunity to realise that okay why should they not be involved women for example I think as far as I'm aware make up slightly over 50% of the population so slightly over half the population in Ireland but yet they're much much less I don't know the exact figure off the top of my head but they're much less represented in politics so we need an even society if our society is 50-50 or slightly skewed one way we need our political system and our political representation to look like that to ensure that everyone's views are being heard because like as you can imagine I don't know what someone else's experience in their life if I'm not from that ethnic group or that um, gender or, or that I can only guess and assume but unless we have that representation from across different ethnic groups different gender different age groups we're not going to have um, a country that I suppose best representing everyone. And additionally, with uh, what the policies that are being implemented now, it's going to not just affect me when I'm older, but it's going to affect my children and my grandchildren as well. But it's us that we're making the policies for. So we really need to ensure that our voices are being heard and that we can actually make it some sort of change and impact to hopefully um, make a better Ireland and a better future for us to live in um, and for our children to live in as well. So I think it's very, very important that we do have um, a, a complete diversity across our political representation. Um, and I, I've been doing quite a bit of work with See Her Elected and She, and they're brilliant um, in promoting um, more women to get involved in politics. They have a great website as well online, and they really just break down the political system. They have a, um, a handbook for running for election. Um, it's just, it's, and sometimes if you're not sure if you're interested or not it's good to just check out these things and really get an understanding for what it's like um, in addition to that I suppose we're running an event the councillors in Roscommon women, female councillors in Roscommon are running an event with Roscommon's Women Network for International Women's Day and we're hoping to just um, create a visual display of how the chamber might look if the roles were reversed and um, so I definitely encourage people to keep an eye out for that in the media I think it'll be definitely an interesting piece um, coming out of that day so International Women's Day is on the 8th of March so we're hoping to run Roscommon Women Network and ourselves are um, hoping to run an event on that day and um, so I would encourage people to definitely keep an eye out for that and just see how, how the political system could look absolutely you've touched on so much there this morning and again if people as well want to maybe keep in touch maybe with different uh, local issues and things that are going on 
um, especially when we're all in this online space now. I always think we're in this virtual reality and that we forget the real world around us. But in order to keep in contact with those people that are glued to the phones, what is the best platform, we'll say, for us to look towards um, for information about what's happening in the community, um, political-wise? Um, is there any like is there websites that are particularly good to go for, or what would you recommend, Emer? Yeah, so I suppose for um, if you're thinking about maybe grants or um, local funding that's available, either the Roscommon County Council website or the PPN, the Public Participation Network, they're two really good websites um, to keep up to date on funding. Um, then, let's say social media wise, um, Roscommon County Council again, um, and myself, uh, Councillor Emer Kelly, I'm on all social media platforms, the Councillor Emer Kelly. I tend to share a good bit of political. Um, information um, and stuff that's available or any of your local TDs, senators or politicians will usually be quite up to date on political information um, but I suppose even just be mindful that what we initially see or hear in, in the public media may not always be true so so definitely definitely um, background check and keep yourself up to date and look at if anyone has any issues or anything um, feel free to contact me either online or any other, um, any other way that they want um, and I definitely make representations on them. There may be some issues that I'm not aware of, but definitely feel free to get in contact with me as well. Well, you've been a breath of fresh air to have on this morning. Thank you so much for coming on and sharing your perspectives and everything that's happening at the moment. And also, just um, if, is there anyone you'd like to give a shout out to as well this morning that's listening in? Um, oh, I don't know. I think shout out to my family. <laughs> They're probably at home listening. So, um, yeah, look at and look at have a great week. It's a four day week this week, so a short week um, after the bank holiday. So. Um, yeah, look, thanks very much to everyone who listened in this morning. And like I said, I'm available if anyone has any questions around it. Fabulous. Thank you so much, Emer. Have a lovely day. Thank you, Kira. Take care. Thank you. Thank you. Bye, right. Bye.